there was a story that was circulating around about how on Capitol Hill, it was around Christmas time, on Capitol Hill they were hoping to have a live nativity scene, but then they had to cancel it because they couldn't find three wise men. (laughs) Beloved, there is a severe shortage of godly wisdom in our society today. There is a severe shortage of godly wisdom in our churches today. It is a miracle of God that we're still surviving. I have said when I started this new series of messages, Healthy Living in a Sick World, is that the epistle to first epistle of Corinthians, Paul to the Corinthians, is the most relevant for our day because we are seeing a very similar cultural trend as they did back then. In fact, the ancient Greeks, which have influenced the thinking of the church in Corinth a great deal, their whole culture was built on worldly wisdom, on human wisdom. In fact, the word philosophy comes from two Greek words, philo, which you know it means love, Sophia, which means wisdom, the love of wisdom. And the ancient Greek culture was in love with wisdom. Not godly wisdom, but worldly wisdom. And the ancient Greeks, who were truly in love with worldly wisdom, had five different schools of philosophies at the time, who vied with each other, who debated with each other, who fought with each other, who constantly was trying to get converts to their schools of thought. These five main schools of philosophies were all invented by men, and they were divided on issues such as the meaning of life, the value of life, the meaning of relationships, and the purpose and the destiny of mankind. They fought and they argued and they debated. And beloved, these views, they were vying and differing from each other, divided people in the Greek culture. They divided people, and people had to take sides. Well, I'm with this one, and I'm with this school. No, no, I'm with this one. Here's the sad part. (laughs) The Corinthians believers came to the Lord from that type of culture. That's where they come from. And they brought these fights and divisions, and arguments that they've had in their culture in terms of different philosophies, they brought all this to the church. (laughs) Uh, The Corinthian believers brought all this factionalization and the contention of their pre-Christ life. They brought it all into the church. Like so many of people today, they trusted Jesus for their salvation, but they added human wisdom, they added worldly philosophies into the church, into the Word of God. As many a church depart from biblical absolutes and biblical authority, they fall prey uh, to the trends and the fads of culture. They fall prey to human ideas and human philosophies. They fall prey to human instincts and insights. They fall prey into placing human opinions above the Word of God. Oh, they often use the Scripture not as their authority, but as a departing point. 
They twist the Scripture and the scriptural text in order to make it fit their philosophical worldview. And what Paul is pleading with them, and he would plead with us today, please, 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 since you have become believers in Christ, let the Word of God be the ultimate authority. You do not need to add cultural trends. You do not need to add human wisdom. You do not need to add positive thinking. You do not need to add prosperity theology. You do not need to accommodate to immoral trends. You do not need to baptize immorality into the church. And you do not need to accept rebellious people into church leadership. Paul is telling them and us that all of these non-biblical trends lead only to division, carnality, and heartache. All of these non-biblical trends lead to confusion and the loss of God's power in the church. All of these new trends, which really old heresies are just dressed up in a new dress, is going to make the believer sick in a sick world. As I said, we began this series in the last message from 1 Corinthians. And we saw in the last message that the reason Paul chose first and foremost of all the messes they were in, of all the sins that they were espousing, with all the difficulties they were facing, all the inconsistency in the church, he chose the first to deal with this factionalism, with this division that is based on the personality cults. And the reason he chose to deal with this before all the other unholy things that were in the church, because he is saying, get your biblical absolutes right, and the church will be on the right track. Place your authority of the Word of God above all else, and everything else will right itself. Hold on to biblical revelation as supreme, and you will avoid the threat of human wisdom and human philosophies. Get the Word of God and the authority of the Word of God, and everything will be all right. Christ is the only one who does not only deal and remove guilt feelings, he moves the very guilt (laughs) that causes these guilt feelings, because he removes the sin that causes the guilt feelings. You see, without exception, man's wisdom elevates man above the Word of God. Without exception, man's wisdom subjects the Word of God under man's authority. Without exception, man's wisdom elevates man's thinking and desires and conclusions above God. And that is why Paul said in Romans 1.25, man's wisdom exchanges the truth of God for a lie and worships the created things instead of the Creator. I want you to remember this. Mark it down. When somebody says to you that you can be saved through having good thoughts, positive thinking, positive thoughts, or someone says to you, you can be saved whether you believe that God's Word is the authoritative, infallible Word of God or not. When somebody says to you, you can be saved, only if you follow their formula. I want you to remember this. Remember, all of man's wisdom 
would only cause heartache. And that is why 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul said, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Why does he say we're being saved? Because salvation is three tenses. In the past, when we gave our life to Christ, we're being saved every single day, and we will ultimately saved when we see Jesus face to face. We're constantly being saved. You see, human wisdom can never save you. Human wisdom can never redeem you. Human wisdom can never give you true peace. Human wisdom puts a Band-Aid on a tumor but can never remove it. Listen, when Paul said... The word of the cross, listen carefully, the word of the cross, verse 18, he means the entire gospel message. He means the entire revelation of God's work that was culminated on the cross. In other words, the rejection of the cross or the addition to the cross leads to eternal destruction. Beloved, it's not a secret that that human wisdom cannot understand the cross. Even the chief disciple, Peter, <laughs> the, the chief apostle, the chief disciple, he was trying to deter Jesus from going to the cross. And that's why Jesus said to him, go behind me, Satan. The natural mind, whether it's Jew or Gentile, can never understand the cross, can never comprehend the cross, let alone accept it. But for those who have placed a whole faith on the cross of Christ— as their only hope for salvation, that cross is their only power, is the only power for living. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, why? Because God's wisdom is superior to man's wisdom by far. Let me give you an illustration, and I was thinking about this, about the foolishness of man and wisdom of God, and the story about a man who was sitting under a walnut tree. You know, walnut tree is very big. Some grow very strong. And he was looking at a pumpkin patch. And he saw the pumpkin hanging on a very weak vine. And then he looked up and he saw the branches of that tree that a man can hang on. it. And he said, how foolish God is. He puts this big pumpkin on that weak vine, and he puts that little walnut on a branch that can hold a man's weight. If I were God, I would have put the pumpkins up there on that big tree and the walnut on that weak vine. And right at that moment, a walnut fell on his bald head, and he started bleeding considerably. And then the next thing you see him sitting down there holding his wound and saying, I am sure glad it's not a pumpkin. (laughs) Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not suggesting, not for a moment, that when you become a Christian, you have the answers of life's problems. I'm not saying that at all. I, for one, I thank God continuously for science and for technology. I genuinely thank God regularly for medicine, for doctors, 
for nurses and for all those who are in the medical profession who are helping us and, and bring healing to us. Listen, I have never been to hospital praying for one of the people that I'm visiting and without thanking God for the doctors and for the nurses and for the, the, the medical profession. I really genuinely do. In fact, not long ago, I read this true story about a Christian surgeon who became very, very successful, a wonderful believer. In fact, most of the interns were eager to spend time with him, to watch him, to, to be associated with him, and, and to work with him. And one of the interns one time asked him, he said, before surgeries, you always go, and you're all alone, all by yourself. What do you do when you do that? And the godly surgeon said, I'm calling upon the great physician, that he may guide my hands that uh, He may lead me when I face complicated or a new situation. <laughs> this Christian surgeon, his reputation went far and wide, so much so that people were coming from all over the world for him. And one day, a man whose son was injured, and he was coming, carrying his son, and came running into the hospital, and he couldn't remember the name of the doctor. And he said, I want that doctor. I want that doctor who works with God to examine my son. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? I want the doctor who works with God. You see, you got to understand, this is different from what Paul is dealing with in the Corinthian church and what we're dealing with today. He was dealing with people who were looking to man, not to God, for answers. That he was dealing with people who were looking to man's wisdom, not God's wisdom, for the ultimate meaning of life. He was dealing with people who were looking for joy and peace, fulfillment, contentment, apart from God. And as Christian believers, we must never shrink or be afraid of having an intellectual argument with anybody or a debate. Uh, we must always, as believers, hold our stand and be immovable, as the Scripture said. For after all, we have the most intellectual book that is ever written. There is no book like it. It was the great philosopher Kierkegaard who once said, Christ does not destroy reason, he dethrones it. As far as Paul was concerned, all of these philosophers, gurus, and who caused the consternation to the believers there. Back in 1984, so many of my colleagues came to Emory University for my graduation when I received my doctorate, but it's May of 1984. And when I came back to the office, a sweet lady asked me, what does it mean to have a doctorate of philosophy? I said, for four years, I felt like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that is not there. But I can tell you, for me, what all of this did helped me personally to further anchor me deeply into the truth of the Word of God. Verse 22, Jews demand miraculous signs. The Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what you get in this place. You're only going to hear Christ crucified preached in this pulpit, whether it's from me or anybody else. Amen. Give God glory. Why did Paul say that? You see, because human wisdom looks at the cross and thinks it's foolishness. It's foolishness. But I really want you to think with me, okay? Just think with me. God becomes a baby, then a man, lived in poverty. The one who owns the universe, living in poverty, 
Then he gets nailed to a tree. Just think about this. And gets crucified and dies and buried. And then on the third day, they claim that he rose again from the dead. Think about this. <laughs> All of this so that he might provide everyone who comes to him forgiveness of sins, eternal life forever with him. Just think about it. I want you to think about it from their point of view. One man dies on a tree on top of a garbage dump, <laughs> and that determines the destiny of every human being on the face of the earth, including the brilliant people, the clever people. The... Yeah. When you think about it, it sounds stupid, right? To the human mind, that sounds really stupid. <laughs> In fact, the word foolishness comes from the Greek word moriah, from which we get the word moron. And when you think about it, the redemption act of Christ on the cross sounds moronic to the non-believer. It really does. Human wisdom can never fathom the cross. Listen to me. We were trying to Christianize the pagans, and we give a pass to carnal Christians in the church. And that's the point that Paul is making here. He said, don't do that. You see, to the natural mind, whether Jew or Gentile, the cross is an offense Today, so many called Christian theologians who look upon the cross and say that it is child abuse on the part of the Father. I don't know whether you ever read that. And, and millions of people reading that stuff. Now, beloved, what we are facing today is precisely what Paul was facing in Corinth. Some of you might say, well, Michael… After 2,000 years of Christianity, after 2,000 years of Christian civilization, after 2,000 years of Christian revolution, after 2,000 years of biblical knowledge, yeah. Whenever I give you an opinion, I tell you it's an opinion, it's not the Word of God. So, do what you want with it. Here's my personal opinion. I believe at the end times, which we're in right now, and the beginning, are going to match each other. Just as it was before the gospel preached to the ends of the earth, which is going on now. That's why Jesus said, He said, when the Son of Man, will He find faith upon the earth? It is so bad. Not just the love of men is going to grow cold, but Satan will deceive even, he said, if possible, some of the elect. And that is why the Bible often says, read the seven letters in Revelation. The Bible, in every one of those, often say, only those who remain faithful to the end will be saved. Only those who will not give in to the human philosophies of this world will be made new. Only those who will not be swept off their feet with modern trends and cultural trends will receive their reward. Only those who will not compromise their faith will be blessed for all of eternity. Only those who have placed their faith in Christ alone, through faith alone, believing the Word of God alone, will be rejoicing in heaven. In fact, Paul here quotes the prophet Isaiah, who prophesied 700 years before Christ, when he says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. That's a direct quote from the book of Isaiah. Human wisdom and cultural trends 
not only unreliable, not only unhelpful, but they will be destroyed one day. Sure, we have more knowledge today than any other time in history, and the knowledge is doubling every week almost. Question, are we more moral? Sure, we have greater wealth and luxury and creature comfort than our forebears would have even dreamed about. But are we less selfish? Sure, we have more books and communication regarding relationships like never before. But are we getting along better? Think about it. Sure, we have psychology and education than we ever dreamt of. But do we have less crimes and violence in our society? And the answer is no. 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 Why? Because throughout human history, human wisdom never, never, never once been able to solve humanity's basic problem. Why? Because humanity's basic problem is sin. And only coming to Jesus Christ can deal with the root of the problem. Verse 20, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Sometimes when I see all these debates and shouting on each other on television, you know I'm talking about all the the argument, debate, that never, never convinces anybody. I think if the Apostle Paul lived in our time and writing for us today, he would have said, where are your experts? Where are your sociologists? Where are your psychologists? Where are your economists? Where are your scientists? Where are your statesmen? Where have they all gone? Have they been able to eliminate poverty or fear or anxiety or depression or loneliness or insecurity? Ah, but listen to me. Jesus can. Jesus can when you come to Him. Jesus can when you surrender to Him, when you turn to Him. Human wisdom may have succeeded in showing us the problem. Human wisdom may expose the cause of the problems. Human wisdom may explain the symptoms of the problem. But human wisdom is incapable of defining the root of the problem, the root of the problem, which is sin. Here is the heart of the problem, of the so-called progressive. Listen to me. The progressive movement in the West, and it's happening in Europe, Australia, it's all over in the Western world. The very core foundation of the so-called progressive movement is human wisdom. It's human wisdom. They believed that if they turned back on past times and on history— on past learning, on past basic belief in the wisdom of God, we will do better. That's the core. Look, I had somebody say, oh, Dr. Yusuf, I am a Christian, but I'm progressive. He obviously doesn't know what progressives believe. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. You see, they believe that only human wisdom can solve our problems. And that is why they can tell us that selfishness is a result of injustice, but they can never tell us how to deal with selfishness. They don't. We have seen it in the past. We've seen this film one more time before, back in the days of the communists and the socialists. How can we forget so quickly? I mean, this is just like yesterday, when they said, 
social justice. Take the money from those who have worked hard for it and give it to the poor. Did they give it to the poor? No, they gave it to themselves. The Politburo becomes the richest people in the Soviet Union. It's a lie from a pit of hell. They're not going to give it to the poor. They'll keep it themselves. Or they may tell us that hatred is the root of racism. Oh, but can they never wash away hatred? Only Jesus and the blood of Jesus can do that. In fact, what they do is that they begin to develop hatred for the ones whom they think they're haters. (laughs) Just think about this. It's upside-down world. Only the cross of Christ, which is foolishness to human wisdom, has the power to transform hearts and minds. Only the cross of Christ can answer the individual problems and society's problems. Only the cross of Christ can bring healing and love and generosity. Only the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on that cross, which to them is foolishness, can give us power over sin to break the chains of sin. To show you how our situation is getting worse by the minute, I received an article from a dear friend who's here in the church. A summary of the article is that there is a link between brain damage and religious belief. This supposedly to be a study that was really published in a journal called Neuropsychologia. Bottom line is this. Those of us who believe in the foolishness of the cross have functional impairment in our brain region known as prefrontal cortex. This damage to our brains keeps us from curiosity, creativity, and open-mindedness. <laughs> Which I love that, don't they? <laughs> what the elite is doing to Christians today is what the elite Nazis did to the Jews in Germany. First of all, they define them, identify them as inferior. And then when the light struck and a leader comes into the forefront, they begin to eliminate them. But we're not afraid. Listen to me. We're not afraid of these false accusations. Never. Because sooner or later, we're going to be reigning and ruling with Christ. In fact… The Bible said, when you see these things, lift up your head and rejoice. Your day of redemption is drawing nigh. But then I thought about this, and I said, you know, they're partly right. See, when you come to Christ, the part of your brain that has been dead to trespasses and sin (laughs) becomes alive with Christ. (laughs) When you come to Christ… That part of your brain that has rejected him before, when you come to him declaring your spiritual bankruptcy, you become on fire for Jesus. (laughs) That's what they're talking about. They just didn't know how to put it. (laughs) When you come to Christ, the part of your brain that brought you into foolishness of man's wisdom now is converted into Christ's wisdom. (laughs) That hopelessness side of the brain becomes hope-filled. That sorrowful side of the brain becomes joy-filled. That depressed side of the brain becomes peaceful. And that's how they explain it. But that's how we explain it. (laughs) Glory to God. Give God glory. Give Him glory. Give Him glory. Bless the Lord. We're not smarter than they are. 
because we're only saved by His grace. And that is why that humbles us. We say, well, I know better than you. No, no, no. I'm so thankful. In fact, I was in tears in thankfulness to the Lord for His grace that opened my blind eyes, that I could see that I'm a sinner heading for hell. I needed the Savior. I want to conclude on a historic example known to most of you. Nothing new, but you see it in a different light. A historic example of the blessing of moving from pursuing man's wisdom to receiving God's wisdom. Back in 1787, when members of the House of Delegates were getting together to revise the Articles of Confederation, they spent weeks, I'm not talking about days, weeks of arguing and debating and discussing a model of government that they wanted feel that they need to form in the United States, but to no avail. For weeks, during that whole time, they were using human wisdom, human wisdom, human wisdom. Finally, one of their members, Benjamin Franklin, dressed the convention in the following words. I'll read them word for word. In this situation of this assembly, we are groping, as it were, in the dark to find political truth and scarcely able to distinguish it when it's presented to us. How has it happened (laughs) that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly applying to the Father of light to illumine our understanding? Then they went on their knees and started praying, humbled themselves and prayed for wisdom. And God answered their prayers in spades, in spades. And he gave us a political government, gave us a system of government like nothing in the history of the world. And I can say that because I was not born here. God gave them what to me personally, and I still speak about me, the most distinguished and the most fair and just political system in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, that the world has ever known. Beloved, today our government leaders, Christian leaders, and we indeed are most desperate for God's wisdom. And we need to humble ourselves on our own behalf of the church of Jesus Christ, on behalf of the gospel, on behalf of our nation. May God of heaven hear our genuine cries. Here's one thing I'm going to say before I Going to prayer. God knows the difference when we pray just through our words or we pray with all of our hearts. He knows the difference. We pray for God's wisdom, but then we act on man's wisdom. I believe God will answer us the moment we are all in, when we're all in. And it's not just Words, yes, Lord, give us this. Yes, Lord, answer this. Yes, Lord, do this. No, no, no. God will answer our prayers when we commit all of ourselves. Lord God, we're desperate. We're desperate as a nation. We're desperate as people. We're desperate as your church, the bride of Christ, for godly wisdom. 
forgive us for living by worldly wisdom, for functioning with worldly wisdom. And we appeal to you, hear us from heaven. Start with us. Start with me. Without your wisdom, I'm undone. Will you hear us from heaven? Will you hear us from heaven? For we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.